Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Cow Corner Extra Show. With me, the Dolly Dropper, James Hurl, Ian Slat Slater, Ian Alderson, and Ollie Griffiths. For your latest dose of all things lower league Shropshire cricket. And just like that, it's all over. I can't believe it. It has been possibly the longest and somehow one of the quickest seasons I've ever been a part of. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Cow Corner Podcast Extra Show, episode 15, the big end of season review for the Shropshire Divisions or all the way to Division 8. And we are coming to you live from the Alba Bar in Shrewsbury. We've been fed well with some lovely pizza and some chips and some halloumi fries, which are absolutely fantastic. And I am joined by the two people that I would want to spend this podcast with and also share all that food with. First of all, the man himself. Ian Slats Slater. How are we, Slats? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Hurley. Good to, good to be here, as always, and really looking forward to tonight's pod. It's going to be fun. And, yeah, the food was great. And nice to all be together. And given that we're all together in one room, it is an ex- extra pleasure for me to introduce the man who's had to travel the furthest of us all tonight, the Amazon-published author. He's going on for a Booker Prize at the end of the year, I'm sure. It is the one and only Ian Alderson. How are we, Ian? I'm very well, thank you, James. Nice to see you again, Slats. Um, (laughs) This is obviously my first time at the Alb. I missed the Lost podcast the last time you were here. But um, this will be a very new experience for me as well because... um, Usually by now, I'm about halfway down a bottle of wine when we're doing this, and I've got to drive 30 miles tonight, so um, I am stone-cold sober, so it could get interesting later. (laughs) So we're just going to get down to the real hardcore takes for me and tonight. You're going to be really sensible, so we can't even blame any of it on the alcohol tonight, but yeah, thank you very much, guys, for coming with us. But yeah, I mean... Where else to start this season? But the thing that's dominated it all, really, the weather. 
been grim, hasn't it? I think we've lost more games to weather this year than we have probably the last three years. Yes, and we've had, you know, a lot of stop-starting. You know, June was good, but since then, it's only really the last three or four weeks that we've had four games together. Yeah, always decent in September. So that's the way to do it. Just play in September, August and September, and scrap the rest of the season. That being said, like, I, I generally thought at one point we may even lose the final game of the season due to the weather that was looking like was coming and everything that was bad. And I think we did, some of the clubs did actually lose their final game of the season. So a lot of games div, uh, abandoned due to light and rain and uh, thunder and all sorts. Newtown, um, obviously, through the season, has got a game on every single week, it seemed like. The weather let them down the last game of the season. It had to be abandoned, didn't it? I, know, I couldn't believe that. I was... <laughs> it was like karma. Anyway. <laughs> of all the games to be abandoned, it was that last fixture, first versus second. Everything on it as well. Um, it was murky. I did put a post on X, we'll call it now, is it? Yeah. In the morning saying, looks a bit murky out there, but it's dry, so let's get on with it. And uh, yeah, <laughs> we, didn't do, we didn't do as well as we wanted to at all, Scott, but they're, they're a good side and deserved uh, champions. But uh, Yeah, I think in, in our game, it was, it was definitely very dark and getting on to the point of being a dubious if, if, if it wasn't final game of the season kind of territory the slight drizzle that we had the dew that was on the ground and the light may have <laughs> made other people think twice about whether the game should be abandoned or not but given that it's the final game of the season we we carried on through and i think we ended up finishing it about quarter to quarter past seven which was oh, not pleasant it was it was it was one of those where i was even stood in the field being like i know this is final game of the season but even i'm getting a bit bored of being stood out here to be honest <laughs> brave brave stood out there with the balls coming towards you and you can't see it yeah it wasn't it wasn't too bad luckily we were batting at the end so it was actually to be honest you could probably say it was a bit worse but yeah it wasn't too bad you should have been like us. Uh, obviously, we finished the week before in about 32 degrees heat. We didn't play because our season finished the week before, so um, we didn't have that to worry about. <laughs> well, yeah, that's one way to go about it. And it's, it's yeah, it's always been a bit of a weird one because I've always thought kind of towards the end of September, some seasons, it's kind of got through to October. And I've always thought, oh, you know, you could probably end up playing, you know, start the season a bit later and play on through. But some reason this year it's uh yeah the weather the back end of this september has been grim like it has been all year and got a bit darker but i guess maybe you'd probably look at i don't know maybe something to look at, at maybe bringing the fixtures all forward by half an hour in september or something maybe that could be an answer for it really we've done it before um we used to do it we used to start at 12 o'clock um it's only because i think the 45 40 overs as the divisions go down we start half an hour later and we, we felt we haven't needed to bring it forward but yeah after saturday i yeah. I, I run out <laughs> i run out to bat at number 11 on saturday for willie and i got out to the got out to the um the, the wicked and the umpire said you're right with this slats with the weather and everything else <laughs> listen i'm getting i'm here now i'm having a bat <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I heard Ian Slater said then he ran out to bat. <laughs> I, I think that's some mistake. No, mate, listen, I was giving it the full Joe Root sideways, bouncing out there and everything. With a lot of intent.
Did they ask for the heavy roller? <laughs> <laughs> One of his highest scores of the season, though, wasn't it, Slats? It was quite quite a good day for podcast hosts uh, on the last. Well, this Saturday oh, it's been. Listen to him. Yeah, it was my only score of the season, actually. I think I quadrupled my average on uh, on Saturday. <laughs> and another not out, maybe mention. You are the, you're getting, you're turning into the wall, is Ian. <laughs> impossible okay. to get out. It'll be kind of one of those things people want to get. I want to get a Fifer, a hat trick, a hundred, a fifty, and to get Ian Slater out. It'll be one of those prize things. Not out all season. I think that's what he's going to go for next year. I, I did get. I was out once this season. Yeah, just to get an average. You know, you have to do that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> it's the school, Mark Jones School of Indoor Batting. That is, I'll just get out once. So I've got an average. And of course, uh, you have alluded to it being a good weekend for a podcast house, and you yourself did the business, James, with the ball. Yeah, about finally. So, uh, all Brighton witnessed the equivalent of a solar eclipse on Saturday. But yeah, no, it was a no, it was a very good weekend for me. I got uh, got got some runs and also got a hat trick for the uh, Cow Corner Eleven to win the game, which was which was quite nice. Um, whoever got eight minutes into the podcast, you've now won the uh, you've now won the sweep. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, no, it's um, well, it's been a bit of a mixed season, and uh, yeah, we do keep a WhatsApp on our general WhatsApp group for all the podcast hosts. I have been keeping up with averages, wickets, and uh, fielding, and all sorts of things for like a bit of an end of season competition. Well, seasonal competition with some awards at the end of the season and yeah it has been a bit hard keeping uh, track of slats because he's just been not out all the time and not having an average so I can't even place him on our on our batting averages position but um, yeah it's been a it's been a cracking year for Cal Corner in, in, in general and we're looking forward to pushing it forward but anyway tonight is all about Division 4 to Division 8 we have asked you guys for your listener questions and uh, we will be asking Asking those throughout uh, but yeah the the general scheme of it is going to be we're going to work through the leagues from division four down to division eight and we're also going to be rounding up some personal mi- milestones and what we're going to be summarizing personal milestones for people in the various divisions so who's who's got the most runs and other things like most not outs most maidens all all the wonderful stats that you want to know but anyway guys let's get started with our first division and division four Okay, so starting with Division 4, and despite having lost in their final game of the season to Whitchurch, your champions of Division 4 for 2023 are Wheaton Aston. They have led the way since week four. They finished 10 points ahead of second place, Gillsfield. In third place are Whitchurch, second 11 on 292 points, so 15 points behind second. In fourth place are Newport, second 11 on 280 points. In fifth are Frankton, second 11. Then in sixth are Shrewsbury, third 11 with 249, so that's two points behind Frankton. In a seventh on 242 are Harpers. In eighth are Condover. In ninth are Hodnett and Peplos. And in 10th are Schiffnall, third 11. And then the big jump down of nearly 100 points are Bishop's Castle on 109 points in 11th. And in 12th are Bridge North, third 11 with 93 points. So, guys, um, 
a bit of a sad ending to the season for Bridge North Third Eleven, conceding their game to Gillsfield, giving Gillsfield the victory. And I guess also for Gillsfield, it's a bit of a sad one because it's your last game of the season. You want to turn out and you want to have a you want to have a good go. And yeah, there was pretty much victories for everyone in the top half of the table, apart from Wheaton Aston. Um, Condover got a victory in eighth place, which kind of kept them out of the bottom three and made sure that they didn't have a chance of going down if anything changes in regards to teams coming down or teams going up. It's been one of those with this division this year. The bottom two, I think, have been nailed on since pretty much the starts. Um, but Wheaton Aston deserved victors despite stumbling over the line at the end slats. Yeah, I think the job was done the week before when they um, got a win against Hodnett. I think they'd done the job and, um, yeah, made sure of everything. So they've had a cracking season. You know, they probably did like we did at Willie and reversed the batting order and stuff like that, you know, in the last game of the season. No, I'm joking. Um, yeah, listen, they've had a fantastic season. They've been up there pretty much, mo- you know, all, all season, top of the pile. And um, I think... Somebody tipped them early doors to win the title. Probably wasn't me, um, but somebody did. And they, they even acknowledged that, I think, on, on Twitter, or X as it's called now. That uh, So, yeah, they, they, they've done brilliantly and, uh, you know, well played. Well done, guys. Bounce straight back up again. It's no mean feat. And so close, but yet so far for Newport Second Eleven and potentially Whitchurch, um, sides that we tip to do really well this season um has anyone surprised you this season Ian in regards to sides that you thought may have done a little bit better and might find themselves a bit unlucky to be in the position that they're in um I think uh, Harpers have done very well um sort of come in mid-table they've lost several players to Priors Lee so I would think um they'll be very pleased with their season I see Bridger North uh, conceded again Saturday, so I think that was their was that their second game they conceded. Um, so they're they're now bottom because um, Bishop's Castle had had a very good win the the week before, hadn't they? They beaten uh, they beaten Whitchurch, hadn't they? The week before, um, so Bishop's Castle sort of finished on a bit of a high. Um, but uh, yeah, and of course, just higher up the divisions. I know it's not in our divisions, but um, Wellington twos are second from bottom in their division, and Wellington threes are in the division below them. So there may be a bit of just jiggery pokery to go on, um, slightly higher up. So you never know what could happen here. If um, Wellington seconds are relegated, then automatically, even though they finished ninth. Uh, Wellington thirds will be relegated um, down to Division Three. Um, it's just league rules. You can't have two teams from the same club in in the same division. Yeah, Wellington are a side that are causing all sorts of issues for the league structures committee this season. Not only with their twos going potentially going down and pushing their threes down, but with their ones being in the Birmingham League playoffs, they've played their first game at the time of recording and lost, but have got the games at a neutral venue and at home left to play. So still plenty to play for and a chance of going up. If they go up, then you've got an argument of what, what do you do? Do you do three up, two down? Do you do two up, one down? Do you do four up, three down? There's many 
many options of what what can be done in these divisions and um yeah you until then you don't really know what might be going on what what's everyone's thoughts on what might happen well I, thankfully i don't sit on the structure committee and i think they have a tough job uh to do this my head would say that it's probably going to be three up two down if wellington get promoted um, if they don't, it'll stay as it is and two up, two down, um, and that'll be the structure. Yeah, one of the things that I was looking at as well, though, is because in Division 2, if the rumours are correct and Treesel are merging with Wombourne, um, you're losing the club there, and then you're also losing Wellington 3s out of that division as well, and Either they can save Ponsbury, who finished bottom, or they still relegate them. But given Ponsbury have finished bottom, you probably think that they would relegate them, but they may keep them. You don't know. Um, then that leaves the position where you may be promoting three, four sides from Division 3, potentially, which then could have an impact on all the divisions below, and especially Division 4, if you're then looking to push extra teams up the league. So it may not even be... You may be even looking at Division 4 downwards, where you might have four teams going up, not necessarily the three. Yeah, and look, those are all the external factors that you just don't know until the 31st of October, when all clubs have completed their declarations in to say how many teams they're going to put in the Shropshire League next year and it isn't until that point that the cogs start whirring for the structure committee to be able to start making those kind of decisions and having and, and putting all that together to bring to the full committee so yeah on the face of it without all that noise going on and what, what, what might happen and could be and should be it's potentially going to be either I reckon three up two down if Wellington go up and if they don't go up it'll be two up two down at our end of season roundup podcast last year whoever would have thought that five new teams are going to enter the Shropshire structure um at this stage so exactly like slat said you never know what's going to happen but as a general rule the league have always sort of made sure that the higher divisions have 12 teams and if there's a messy bit it's usually down at um, our end. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it was always that way, mate, wasn't it? That, you know, towards the bottom end of the thing, you, you have the, we used to call it the rump division, where it was, you know, when I played in it, we had 16 teams in there. You didn't play everybody twice. So I think it's a lot better now in the structure that we've got without a shadow. Yeah. Um, so looking at it, there's there's still a chance that you could have Wheaton, Aston, Gillsfield, Whitchurch, Newport twos going up. You look at you look at the season as well, and that a lot of these sides have had been affected by a lot of cancellations, especially Whitchurch second eleven who have had one, two, three, four. Five, they've had six games abandoned throughout the season. Same with Wheaton, Aston, Gillsfield have had five games abandoned. Then Newport, luckily for them, only yeah, and and Newport also having five. So five or six games cancelled, and for them all to still put on the runs that they have and to be as dominant as they have been this season, because it's been it's been those those four sides changing and the top four the whole way around but um let's talk about the the sides in mid table and um a decent first season for Shrewsbury threes I think they would probably accept being in sixth position 
well, I mean, it's a side like Shrewsbury. They'd always want to be challenging at the top. But we know what it's like with the Shrewsbury sides and with some of these big sides once you get down to like thirds, fourths, fifths and everything like that because, you know, players go upwards, you know, and they can be quickly taken and then you can have a ridiculously strong side some weeks, which we've seen with Shrewsbury. And then the next week it can all be taken away from them. But you would... I guess from a Shrewsbury point of view, it becomes a bit more desirable to join them as a club if you've got their third 11 closer to their twos, because at the moment their twos are in the Prem and their ones are obviously in the Birmingham League, but then there's still quite a jump then down to the threes. There's still that kind of gap that you're wanting to try and address uh, maybe, which I guess with Wellington you've got, haven't you, where you've got ones twos threes all pretty much in close proximity and then their and then their fours are still playing at division five which is still a very good standard to play out for what will effectively be a very much blooding youngsters side i guess yeah and for these bigger clubs it aids that uh development of cricketers young cricketers with a transition from one side to another is not a massive jump and they can you know have confidence going into those games whereas now yeah you're right it's a massive jump but for me, the biggest thing for Shrewsbury, for their thirds, is to actually have their team playing somewhere near a Shrewsbury. Um, as has got to be one of their goals. Um, and it's been difficult because they don't have a second pitch um, like Wellington do, for example. Um, so they they can be a bit nomadic. And if they've run out of space in Shrewsbury and you know, they end up playing at St George's... Um, it's got to make, but got to be tough. And you know they conceded a game in week eight, didn't they? So, you know it's it's got to be difficult in that terms of that availability. But I think one of the biggest things for them is actually getting that that third team playing closer to Shrewsbury if they can. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, they they conceded a game. I've definitely seen some games on social. Well, some teams been put out on social media and some teams on play cricket where they haven't had a full eleven, which again, as you mentioned, must be. A tough if you're playing for Shrewsbury and you're having to travel to St George's to play your home games every weekend. And you look at some of the sides that they're playing, like Wheaton Aston, Gillsfield, Whitchurch, Newport, um, Hodnett, Shifnall, Bishop's Castle, Bridge North. They're not exactly short journeys from Shrewsbury. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, they are, but not. You know, you're not playing Beacon, you're not playing Shelton, you're not playing like local sides, which kind of makes up for the fact that you're playing every get home game so far away, I guess. Yeah, I guess the other option is, do their third team stay as a Saturday side? Because you look at the likes of Whitchurch, for example, their thirds play on a Sunday. And it, you know, it because they don't have that other facility of another ground nearby, that it might be that, you know what, if they want to grow and make that team more more available, that they're playing at their home games on a Sunday or alternating because Shrewsbury Fourths play on a Sunday, don't they? Yes, they do indeed. I think, again, I think, yeah, I guess the decision to be made is do you think it's worthwhile pursuing with a third 11 side that will play in Division 4, which you'd probably say is, is going to be a higher standard of cricket than Sunday Division 1, then you then still got your Sunday 11, which can play. I, I, if you've got four sides and you, I would, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a hard decision to be, a hard decision to be made because I think if you then have two Sunday sides and then two sides basically playing as high a level of cricket as you 
physically can have them at that, I think that jump becomes humongous. Um, but then also at the same time, how many, what percentage of players come through like youth development and then end up playing Prem standard cricket and Birmingham League standard cricket? Because even you even look at the Shrewsbury side now and the first team, yeah, they've got a lot of players who've come through, but how many of those are schooled at Shrewsbury School as well? And, and you know, and you, you pick up, these bigger sides pick up the best of everyone from elsewhere as well. So the percentage of players who actually come through is, I don't know, that, that's got to be something to think about as well, I guess, maybe. But the, but the other thing is as well is if they're playing on a Sunday, they're playing on generally better grounds. So they're playing on hopefully better tracks and therefore they're developing their game as well. I don't know. I, 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 I totally get it in terms of the standard and everything else. They want to have more competitive cricket. And I've not played in the Sunday division so you know it could be fantastically competitive and I you know might not necessarily be totally aware of that having said that you're going to play on probably more Premier League grounds on a Sunday in the top division on a Sunday than you are on a Saturday in division four another side another one of our Birmingham League sides who are probably who are probably at the other end of the scale compared to Shrewsbury third 11 um, as in Shrewsbury third 11 have been in division six and moved them themselves up then into division five and then from division five into division four Schiffnell third 11 on the other hand were mid-table division two got relegated from division two and then got relegated from division three and now find themselves in 10th position in division four um I guess it, it's one of those things I guess as well is that you're probably it's like we said, that they're looking to blood players to move up the teams as well. And I guess it's a constant churn like we've kind of seen with Bridge North this season. Like all of their sides are going through a developmental stage where they're kind of cycling through and they're bringing another group of youngsters in. So naturally there's going to be a couple steps back maybe before then they can start making steps forward. And maybe that's the position that Schiff North 3s are in at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you look at that, there's three Birmingham League clubs there and their third teams, all in the same division, you think it'd be really, really competitive. Um, and Bridge North threes have really struggled. And the thing I don't like, and this is just me, because I, I hate concessions. I think, you know, if you're a club, you make a contract with the league to play every game. And if you concede a game, there's got to be some exceptional circumstances and you, you know, you're then working hard to make sure it doesn't happen again. Now, look, I know it's very, very difficult sometimes, um, but, you know, the, to concede your last game of the season, I know it's Gillsfield. It's a bit of a, a bit of a trek from Bridge North to Gillsfield, but you know that's what everybody plays in the divisions for. And you know, they're always going to be treks. That's part of the game. Um, so I was surprised at that to you know end this season on a bit of a damp squib with a concession. Yeah, I guess also you've with these sides as well. Generally, they're maybe not for Bridge North, but I know that. Alberbury have a couple players who, when you're looking at younger players as well, when it comes to the end of the season, if they're privately educated, which let's be honest, a lot of the younger kids who are playing cricket nowadays are privately educated because they're getting good coaching and they're getting it round the clock as well as at their clubs. Um, so they're going to be higher standard. That might be a case that they've got a few kids who are at school or football season started and things like that. And that's, I guess that's another thing to think about as well. But I guess, with these big sides, like you said, it's 
you want to like even even Alberbury, we try and get anyone out at like mums, dads, ed, ed, like mates who have never played cricket before, just try and get them out even and even turn out with tens, eights, nines and stuff and to see, you know, there are four concessions in the league this season and three of them were Bridge North and Shrewsbury. Um well, we're between them. So it, you know, it is it's it is a bit worrying. But again, it's 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 hard enough running two teams on a Saturday, let alone three, four. So it, it's a challenge in itself, and um, and whatnot. But um, Ian, what are your thoughts on Division Four? I th- I think Shrewsbury have been actually very competitive in that league. I know they're halfway down, but they're only two points off Frankton, who are, are just above them. And another win this year of all years, when you've missed five, six, seven games. If the luck of the draw goes against you and you miss games against teams at the bottom of the division and you end up playing the the, the top teams, then perhaps there's, um, of all years, this could be like a little false sort of placement for some teams during the season. And um, so, you know, I think uh, with the, the wind behind them, Shrewsbury threes could have been... Um, uh, a fair bit higher and they could have been going for promotion to be honest with you and like exactly like you said earlier it's only a couple of years ago Corvdale were playing against Shrewsbury threes on the scat um, field up at uh, up at Shrewsbury which wasn't ideal for them wasn't ideal for anybody who went up there really but um, you know it's I think this season is tricky when we're trying to analyse it because of games that you have we have all missed yeah, there's been a lot of games missed. You look at that. You look at Shrewsbury's fixtures. Actually, they've lost six, had six abandoned, and then won the rest. Uh, apart from one losing draw against Shifnal. Those six games that they've lost have all come against the top five teams, and then the sixth one is against Condover, who, even though they're not in the top six, I think we would all agree that on their day they should be in that top four but again you know should be but they finished in eighth so you you could you could also debate that but they've got very good um standard of players so yeah uh, like you mentioned and you look at some of the games that they've had called off you know some of them against uh lower lower opposition um and yeah it's like like you said it's maybe that you know that bit of a lot changes where you are in the table, and that might be the same for certain other teams, especially when there's such a, a vast amount of abandonments this season. But I think generally, overall, the teams that are at the top um, are going to be there on merit. But like you said, Ian, I think the mid-table region becomes a bit harder to analyse, and especially with these bigger sides as well. If they've got kids who are doing stuff, they may find other hobbies and crack on with other bits and bobs yeah the, the the telling stat for me when you look at that form table is that the bottom four all of the bottom four their first four games were all abandoned all abandoned so it was a tough start to the season for them to actually get up and running whereas you know from sort of position eight upwards they all had some cricket they only had two abandoned um all of those sides but and and Frankton only had the one abandoned in the first four games. So, but all of that bottom four, and the four, they're all first four games were all abandoned, and that kind of sets the tone, maybe. 
Yeah, and they all they all then went and played three games and then had another week off, which is not going to help. And then went and played another three games and then had another three weeks off. Then both play, everyone played the next week and then everyone was off. And then a bit of consistency to the end. But even with the consistency, you've, losing becomes a bit of a habit and, you know, people aren't as keen and it becomes harder to put wins on the table, doesn't it? But you can't get going, you can't get any rhythm, you can't get any form. And, you know, those first four games, you know, you're playing, I don't know how many O's were played in each of those games, but they were all abandoned. It's kind of, it's tough. You know, you don't finish a game, you don't get a result. It's it's difficult. Okay, so before we go on to the player accolades in this division, I want you to, I want to ask you guys, which team do you think can come out of this season feeling like they've had the best of it? Who, you know, who think, you know what, I think we've had a really good season. And also, based on this season and based on, let's say, three go up, because let's just say that, who do you think, um, or even you can say if two go up and if three go up, who are going to be your tips for next season? And we'll start with Ian. Well, Wheaton Aston have obviously had a fantastic season. They've been number one since week four. Um, they've had a great season. Gillsfield as a club, um, uh, we'll come on to the Gillsfield twos, but to finish second, Gillsfield as a club or a club going places at the moment. So, um, and I think they're probably going to both hold their own in Division Three. Um, the way they've uh, played through this season. Uh, again, as I said earlier, Harpers, I think, will be very, very pleased with coming seventh. Um, they've had a, a, a difficult year, I would think, with the, the players going for Priors Lee. Um, Schiffnall, if something was to happen that they were relegated, I think they'll feel very hard done by because they're about 100 points ahead of Bishop's Castle. Um, but Bishop's Castle and Bridger North um, have had poor seasons, not picking up points when they've lost games. And, um, you know, they've been well adrift for months. Gillsfield will be very, very pleased. They, I think they've done fantastic. They got promoted last year and they've carried that on. They've made some good signings, brought some good players in and strengthened. And, yeah, to finish runners-up, you know, double, double promotion for them, basically. Back-to-back, back. yeah, I think they'll do well. Uh, next year it'll be a consolidation year for them um, Wheaton Aston you know, they've done it in that division in division uh, three that's kind of like home for them for the last wee while so I think they'll acclimatise and go straight back in that won't be too much of an issue but Gillsfield I think have had the best season because everybody expected Wheaton Aston to bounce back up Nobody was tipping Gillsfield straight away to, mm. to, to go up, you know, a double promotion. I think they've done really well. And your early prediction for next season? Uh, for Division 4 next year, I think if it's only two up, I think Whitchurch will have learned and will uh, probably be near the top of the pile. Depends who's coming down. You know, it's kind of, um, you know, who the side's coming down because that could be that could be really interesting. Um, but, yeah, I think hopefully Frankton will have got themselves together next year and I was surprised that they, that they were further up. Okay, great. Let's move ourselves on to the player accolades. So your leading run scorer for Division 4 for 2023 is Rama Bamidi from Harpers. He also played the most games and the most innings. He was tied with a couple others as well for both of those things. Not the runs, though. Most not outs, because I know that's what everyone really wants to know, is Rodri Parfit and Jack Kelly. Rodri Parfit also finished sixth in the run scorers as well. Your highest score in the league this season as well was from one 
Dax Hardman, who, who knocked 140. The best average was Dominic Stone with 90. The most 50s this season was Rabba Bermidi again, and also most tons was the same man. And also Dave Williams from Gillsfield, as they both got two. I would talk about strike weight, but I guess it's just a case of whoever got live scored on the day. It was Oliver New. He had a wonderful strike rate of 200 from nine innings, which is some going. Um, but yeah, when I'm not sure how many teams get live scored for their strike rate to be able to put on, it's kind of a bit of a, an interesting one, that one. Um, in regards to wickets, at the top of the table, we've got Jack Kelly, who won with 30 seven wickets most overs Sunil John was used the most this season 142.1 overs he bowled um, most maidens went to Charlie Rogers with 33 he was also fifth in the standings the best bowling performance was Robbie Barker with seven for ten and the most five wicket hauls was Jack Kelly with three Best econ in the league was Charlie Rogers, 2.57. Best strike rate, Robbie Barker, 14.76. And best average, Afak Khalid from Whitchurch with 7.13. I do hear some of you from home going, but I know my stats. I'm on better. I've done it based on you've had to have played at least a game or two before we've gone. Because if you play one game, you're obviously getting, you have a good game. You're going to obviously have better bowling statistics. But guys, having a look at the people in the top run scorers and top wicket takers, is there anyone who stands out for you in those? And once again, we'll, and actually this time, we'll start with slats. Yeah, look, consistency this season, particularly batsmen, um, with the start-stop nature of the, of the season has been uh, hard to come by. And uh, Mr. Bermidi has done fantastic scoring, just shy of 700 runs, uh, a fantastic average of just north of 40. I think that's that's a brilliant uh, result, especially in a side that were tipped to be struggling a little bit. You know, Harper's having the split with, with um, Priorsley being created. So he really has stepped up and done a great job. Um Again, Wazi Maftab, again, just shy of 600 runs. Those two really sort of um, stand out for me. Um, you know, it's all about run scorers is all about getting those runs on the board. Never mind your average, never mind how many not outs or anything like that. It's how many runs you scored in the season. That's what you judge by. Uh, and those boys have done fantastically. Well, um, again, I will just echo everything uh, Slat said, but you will notice that um, the top two run scorers played the most games. And I think, you know, if, if you can play, get a bit of rhythm, this season has been very, very difficult to get that. So uh, they have done very, very well. Great stuff. And I would also like to bring up both of the parfits. So we've got Rodri, who averaged 60.38 this season, um, was f sixth in uh, the run scorers but had one of the highest averages in the league this season and also Casey Parfit of Gillsfield who was in fourth uh, having taken 29 wickets this season and had bowled considerably less overs than everyone else in the top five bowlers without mentioning cow corner favorite Charlie Rogers um, in the top five for both batting and bowling um, and also a, a tremendous effort by 
Jack Kelly, Sunil John and Jack Giddings all to get over 35 wickets in a season is uh, is a tremendous effort. And also all of that top five, Andy Flan, Charlie Rogers, Nathan Whittingham, Wazim Aftab and Rama Bamidi, any, anyone who's getting more than 500 runs in the season that we've had this season as good effort. And they've done a really good job to get that many runs. And uh, Harry Fiaz, another one who's a very good player who features in the top run scorers and wicket takers. But anyway, let's move ourselves on to the next division and division five. 
didn't last the whole the whole way but uh both sides happy to celebrate both going up and i guess in the end church threat and deserved victors given that they've led pretty much all the way since the the season properly got going which was around week four five six wasn't it really yeah they're only losing two games all season um you know they've they've done brilliantly and you know hats off to them um Actually, when you look at it, Newtown did well to get as close as they did because, you know, they've lost, where are we, four games this season, so twice as many as Stretton, um, and still only managed to be 11 points behind them at the end. So, yeah, pretty impressive, you know, and, and a, a very strong top two. Yeah, Newtown had a, a superb run in the, the second half of the season to get them right up into it, and like we said, they uh, they seem to manage to get games on when um, week on weeks when uh, nobody else got any games on. So uh, and fair dues to them, they look like they've been the two best teams in that division all year. Priors Lee have had a very very solid first season. Um, you know they're they're third and um, had a good year. Beacon and Bowmere both came up last season and have had solid seasons again both mid-table so I think they'll both be very happy with that and uh, then at the bottom Kai Glass and, and Calver Hall have uh, really not challenged for any other places than 11th and 12th. We had another tie at the weekend uh, between Wellington and Beacon um, and also another game that was conceded, um, St George's conceding to Iscoid and Fens Bank on the final game of the season which brought them uh, down a few places. Now Slats, in our pre-season preview, your picks uh, for the top five were Lanid Lois, who finished in fourth place. You had Much Wenlock, who finished in sixth. You had Bo Heath, who finished in seventh. You had Ben's Bank, who finished in eighth. And then I'm pretty sure you had Priors Lee, who finished in third place. But you did. You did say on record that you thought Stretton with the signings that they've made and the lads in the avatar if they turn out that you said that they'd have a strong outfit and they'd be in contention but you didn't quite at that point believe enough to put them in the top five but here they are and they finished as champs um what are your thoughts on division five generally this year yeah it's been it's been a interesting division isn't it going right down to the last game you couldn't ask for more than that in terms of going to the wire and unfortunately What's happened is it's happened all season. Is the weather and the weather and the conditions, unfortunately, had the final say. And um, look, the top two deserved winners. And you know, we we can talk a lot about who's finished third and and what difference is that going to make. But actually, do you know what? There is a significant gap between the top two and the rest of the the, the middle table. So, you know, that speaks for itself in yep. t- in terms of that. Um, Surprises for me, though, have to say, Fens Bank weren't higher than uh, where they finished. I thought they'd be in that top. Uh, I thought they'd be, I thought they'd be up there, you know, um, fighting for that top two positions. I really did, genuinely believe that. So I know they've had availability issues. Yeah, three, three, three concessions this season is well, pretty seven, seven in the division. It's the it's the most conceded division mm-hmm. in, in the Shropshire League this year. The most conceded games with seven in total. You look um, at it though, and having three games conceded and still managed to finish eighth is some is 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 pretty decent. And given that they're not too far away from 
the sides ahead of them um, in seventh, you know, you think, oh, I don't know, it, it, it's kind of good, but I guess because everyone knows the standard of Fens, if they do, it's like everyone says, isn't it, if we could get our best side out, but you, yeah, you but know what they could do, that's the thing. But the other thing for me, I know, I know Ian's uh, already spoken about it, but actually Beacon, because they finished second to Boma Heath, and I actually genuinely thought Boma Heath were going to keep pushing on. Uh, you know, they've got a strong setup there. They'd recruited for their their ones. And I actually thought, you know what? Their seconds are going to be stronger and they're going to keep going. A little bit like Column and, um, you know, have done over, over the, the last two or three seasons and really pushed on. Um, and I actually didn't think that uh, Beacon would finish above Bomer. And there you go. They've surprised me and they've, they've had a fantastic season, really. Yeah, Beacon finishing higher than the last two seasons that they spent in Division 5. They finished 6th in 2019 and finished 10th in 2021 in the season that they got relegated. Uh, bounced straight back up and then, yeah, finished in 5th. So from a Beacon perspective and to finish in 5th place behind those Power 4 and um, you've got to be happy to be the top of the best of the rest, especially when you look at the best of the rest having size like... Wenlock, as you mentioned, a strong Bowman Heath second eleven. Wellington Fords, you know they they've they've been a strong side in in other years. You know they finished third, fourth, and eighth. So you know they finished eighth in twenty nineteen, fourth in twenty twenty one, and third last season. So they were trending upwards, and you know for them to finish ninth, maybe a bit of a surprise. But given the results of all their other sides apart from their ones, maybe not so much, but for Beacon to finish ahead of those, that's that's gotta be that's gotta be good for them. But as whenever we come to these end of season podcasts, it's you know, you tend to look at it and the teams who aren't having the greatest season, it tends to happen across all of their sides, uh, all the way, all the, all the way through. And uh, Ian, a side that you picked to struggle this season, who 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 duly have, were uh, Akai Glass, a side who had kind of avoided relegation for the last three seasons on the last few days and just about survived, but didn't have enough to survive in Division 5 this season. No, they lost a couple of players right at the start of the season, which um, was always going to affect them. And they, they never really got over it. And we'll come to their seconds later on, who've had a, a good season in Division 8. But um, yeah, they, they were always going to struggle. And I didn't think they'd struggle perhaps as much as they have. But there you go. Yes, and uh, we've got the first of our listener questions that has come in, and it's come from a serial question asker, um, Dave Matthews, and Dave asks... Hey guys, Dave Matthews here. Really enjoyed the podcast, and uh, looking forward to hearing what you guys come up with on the end of season review. My question for Division 5 is, do the extra podcast think that the league got its spot on by putting Priors League in Division 5? Okay, thank you very much, Dave, for sending that one in. Um, so, guys, what are our thoughts? And we'll start with Ian, as he isn't the committee member. Uh, think the league got its spot on putting uh, Priors League in Division 5? One word answer, yes. Lovely and succinct. And what we come to hear, think of you, Ian, straight to the point, no nonsense. It's, it's because I'm sober, I told you. <laughs> Just going to Ellen Ancart tonight. <laughs> Slats. Yeah, it was, you know, straightforward decision. They did the due diligence and, you know, there they are. They finished third. 
um, had a cracking season. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think there was a lot of eyes on it, and we at the podcast in the season, you know, as as you do, you have to have these discussion points. You have to talk about what people are talking about, and people were questioning whether they should be in there. And you look at it, and maybe at the start of the season, you were a bit like, ooh, you know, but you know, they didn't play in their first three games, and then there's there was kind of like that teething period where they then also played Lanny and Stretton who were have proven to be two of the strongest sides in the division who they and lost to but then they went on a fantastic run of victories four in a row um and then only lost now and again to again other strong sides but yeah i guess you look at it and you look at their positioning and you'd say yeah they um they have done well with putting them in division five i think it's always going to be a tough decision when you get new teams in because you know i there's part of you which thinks you know every team should start at the bottom and work their way up because that's the way to do it but also at the same time if you're going to be putting a side in that's going to be absolutely battering teams in division eight all season or division seven it's it's going to be hard and and unless you've got sides who are quite clearly the worst teams and deserve to go down and you've got someone who folds from a division and you're going to put them into that division it's always going to be a tough sell for a league to sell putting a new side in a division that isn't the rock bottom division if that makes sense slats it does and look don't there's no um ifs ands about this the opportunity to put priorsley in this division was because acton reynolds asked for a double relegation and that created the space to be able to do that you know, it was a season where everybody who finished in the bottom three went got relegated through all the divisions. And you asked for consistency, and that's what, what the league did. They had an opportunity to place this side, and they did the due diligence, looked at everything, and said, this is the right decision. We were all, you know, it's one of those things, you don't know what you don't know. Um, but they did all the homework, checked everything out, and said, yeah, this is, this is the right place to put them. And, you know, proof's in the pudding, isn't it? Yeah, so quickly we'll go around the table because I realise that we're cracking on now. We're getting to about an hour, and we've only done two of the two of the divi- two of our five divisions. Um, so quickly around the table, who do you think can look back and say they've had a really good season? And um, who are your tips in Division Five for next year? And this time we'll start with Slats. Uh, Prizely have had a, a fantastic season. Um, Newtown have done brilliantly. Stratton, you know, with their with their signings have, have done really well and those two will be strong next year again. Priorsley, uh we'll want to look out for. Lanny will come back. You know, Lanny will be strong next year as well, but don't forget you've got the likes of Bishop's Castle, potentially Bridge North Thirds, who will look to re-establish. Um, I'd like to think that Beacon and Boma Heath would push on next year as well. Okay, and uh, Ian? Yes, uh, I wouldn't disagree. I think Priorsley are going to be very strong next year. I think Leonard Lewis are going to be very strong next year. Um, and Wenlock, I think, will be a lot stronger next year. Um, Beacon and Bowmere, I would think, will try and push on again. But um, Bishop's Castle and Bridge North, I think, may just have a job um, to, to bounce straight back. I think if they do mid-table next season, they'll both be very happy. Okay, great stuff. Thank you very much, guys. So moving on to the uh, personal batting accolades in Division 5. So your leading run scorer 
for 2023 is Said Tanzel or Raymond Navi with 825 runs. He played in 18 games, which is the tied top, and uh, played in 16 innings. Uh, the most not outs in the division go to Mike Bellamore with six and Dave Moody of Lanny with six. So Mike Bellamore of Newtown and Lanny. So that stays in there. Um, interestingly enough, Said Hansel or Raymond Navi also was joint second with Ryan Jones of Iscoid and Fens Bank with five not outs. Um, the highest score in the division this season came from Ben Oakley of Calverhall. He scored 201. Uh, the best average in the division this season was Mike Bellamore. He had 11 innings and he averaged 121.6. Again, Saeed Navi was second in that list with an average of 75. Most 50s, unsurprisingly, there were five 50s for the following Saeed Tanzil or Raymond Navi, Ryan Jones of Iscoid and Fens Bank, Dan Searle, who was third place in the run scorers, Mark Brown, also of Much Wenlock, who was fifth in the run scorers. So you've got one, two, three, and five of your top run scorers with the most 50s, and the most tons in the division, unsurprisingly, was Mike Bellamore with three. He also got three 50s and was the fourth leading run scorer in the division. So a fantastic signing for Newtown this season was Mike. With the ball in Division 5, Saladin Malik, unsurprisingly, leads the way with 52 wickets. The person who was used the most, so the most overs, goes to Jonathan Davis. He bowled 130.5 overs this season. Two and a half more than Saladin Malik. Jonathan Davis also bowled the most maidens this season with 24. The best bowling figures in the league this season go to Adrian Folks with 8 for 16 for Lanny. Uh, the most five wicket hauls go to Saladin Malik. He got four. The best econ rate, Ryan Jones of Lanny with 1.63. The best strike rate goes to Alim Iqbal of Much Wenlock with 11.25. And the best average goes to Beacon and Cow Corners, James Aston with 3.44. So guys, very quickly, who stands out for you in that list of batters and bowlers in Division 5? And this time we'll start with Ian. Well, Saeed at the top with 825 runs, averaging 75. is absolutely fantastic from 16 innings in a, a, a difficult year for weather, as we've already spoken about. And um, again, uh, another Church Stretton player, Malik, with 52 wickets. Um, it's That's tremendous in 17 games. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, that top two uh, in the, in the wicket takers, Saladin Malik with fifty two and Jonathan Davis with forty one, clear ahead of everyone else in the division. Also worth mentioning that Said Navi also got twenty one wickets, which makes him joint fifteenth in the bowling as well. So a very good year for him. And um, Ryan Jones very close to Said Navi, which you know only ninety runs behind, which sound which is a lot, but I mean. <laughs> Um, to come so close given this, where his side is and having played 
less games this season than Saeed Navi. Uh, it's got to be some achievement. But uh, Slats, uh, your thoughts on uh, players from Division 5? Yeah, I'd echo. Uh, Ian said, obviously, you know, to score 800 runs this season is, is incredible. Um, I mean, it's just such a start-stop season to to have that form and average seventy-five is is brilliant from you know eighteen games, um, fantastic, and and head and shoulders Ryan Jones again, uh, you know, in a side that has conceded a, a game or so, and you know, and um, has struggled a bit for players to stand up as captain as well and, and get those runs. That's been brilliant. Dan Searle. You know he's 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 a seasoned performer. He gets runs every year. For wickets, fifty-two. Crikey, that's a career for me anyway. Um, <laughs> fifty-two in a season is brilliant. Jonathan Davis as well has has done fantastic with forty-one. Um, good to see young Riley Bellamore there as well with twenty-nine in, in fifth spot with the wickets. I think that's that's really useful and, and you know in coming on. And again, is there's a number of young lads in there as well, and young ladies in there getting wickets. So uh, good to see. Yeah, and unsurprisingly, you look at that the, the top tens, and you've got four members from Lanid Lois in the top four in in the top ten wicket takers, and then you have got members of Prizley, Church Stretton, uh, Bowmere Heath, Heath, Tom Davison, the only one out of who's not from that the sides who finished in the top, and uh, the batting a little bit more different, but you know some of the you know the usual suspects: Andrew Jones, Dave Langton, Peter Lee. Ben Oakley, Daniel Lewis, Mark Brown, Mike Bellamore, Dan Sill, Ryan Jones, all all up there. And um yeah, it'll be be good to see how they how they all get on next season with hopefully uh, a, f- a full season behind them. But anyway, let's move ourselves on to our next division and division six. So your champions of Division 6 for 2023, having led the way since week one, are all Scott Heath's second eleven. They taught the talk at the beginning of the season and they have walked the walk throughout a great season for all Scott Heath's second eleven. They win the league with 337 points, 20 points behind them. They run them all the way pretty much, are Lillishaw second eleven in third place, aside who were in the top two, from week eight all the way to week eighteen, but dropped off in the final few weeks of the season. Are uh, Kund they finish on two hundred eighty-seven, so thirty points behind the top two. Then a couple points behind them are Roxeter and Uppington second eleven. Behind them are Willie second eleven, and then forty points behind Willie are Knocking and Kinnerly second eleven. Close behind them are Columns second eleven who did well considering that they're in the bottom two for more than half the season. And uh, Monty finish, Monty second 11 finishing eighth on 209. In ninth place, Welsh Paul second 11 on 204. In 10th, Harcourt on 202. In 11th place, Ludlow third 11 on 185. And bottom of the table are Acton Reynolds on 132. A real kind of downturn for them, given that they are on 132 points at week 14. Um, a series of bad results and concessions have not really helped them whatsoever. And for a side that we were saying at the start of the season has started well and, you know, maybe things are looking up. It's just never really kind of got going for them in player availability. But we've we've spoken quite a lot about them and yeah it was uh it was all set up for the end of the season and um we were looking at 
the battle at the bottom with um, all four, well, pretty much all four sides looking like they could have a chance of going down and all sides looking to try and stay up. But it was pretty much um, all done, all the sides losing down at the bottom and games abandoned. Uh, Ludlow had the game conceded to them by Reynolds, but still found themselves in the bottom two and have gone down. Um, your top two as well, both with victories at the end, meaning that the tide's always never in doubt. And um, defeat for Kund kind of rounds up what would have been a bit of a disappointing end to the season because they would have liked to have probably got a victory, but that that lost to Ludlow and uh, then at the end of the season, a loss to Roxeter when they really needed to kind of put a run of performances together to really try and push. Didn't quite get there in the end. And uh, given that you play in this division, Slats, we'll start with you. Give us your synopsis of Division 6 in 2023. It's been a great division. Good good fun to play in. Lots of really good clubs in there. The weather's been shocking. Um, and, you know, fair play to the, the, the boys at the top. They've uh, managed to get all those points, even though they've had games abandoned. And, um, yeah, I mean... As a, as a club, we think we've underperformed. We should have been higher, but, you know, that's the, the league table doesn't lie, does it? And it's um, that consistency that uh, Allscott have had all season, um, only losing, well, I say only losing, they lost three games this year. Um, obviously, we started the rock back in uh, week 11, um, but they paid us back on Saturday, so that was fine. <laughs> um, and, you know, I was very surprised that Kund didn't keep going because they when we played them they looked the strongest side out there you know in the first half um and you know we didn't play against Lillishall either uh, you know in the first half because of the the weather and they were strong at our place and undeservedly beat us as well so it's it's kind of there was been a couple of shot results that that result for Ludlow against Kund I think sealed their fate to a degree of uh, only finishing third not being able to finish in that top two um, and yeah, sad with Reynolds, really. I mean, they haven't won a game in the second half. Um, and you know, I've, I've really, really struggled. Um, um, and then Ludlow, I thought, were a fantastic side, you know, the youngest side that has ever come to Barrow in a long time. Um, and have lots of ability, and I think they, they'll bounce back, but um, yeah, I, I was surprised that they were in the, in the position they were in. So if you look at the position, we look at the positions throughout the year and the spreadsheet that we've created um, has an average position worked out for where they've generally been throughout the season. You've got Old Scott who have, uh, their average position is first because they haven't been anywhere else all season. Literally finished second, 4.4. Kun uh, second 11, 3.8. Roxton and Uppington second 11, 4.5. Then William Knockin, 5.5 and 5.1. Then that bottom half, column 8.7. Monty second 11, 9.8, which is the second worst in the league. Uh, then Welsh Bull in ninth, 6.7. Harcourt, who finished 10th, 7.3. And Ludlow, 11.5. And Reynolds, who finished bottom, 7.9. So it's clear to see that there have been a few sides have just completely dropped off a cliff in Division 6. But it's also because it's so tight down the bottom as well, I guess. But for Monty to pull themselves out of uh, their position where, you know, they've been... 11th 10th 11th you know ninth, and then bringing themselves up to ninth and then at the end really kind of pulling themselves through and the first time that they've really been out of about bottom three is you know pull, pulled themselves out and similar for Colin really they're in bottom 
11th, 10th, 11th, 10th, 11th, 10th, then the final three weeks, 9th, and then finishing with two sevenths is a great end to the season for them. And I think, to be honest with you, what they've done and what the weather's allowed them to do this year is they've looked at their situation, they've looked at where their first team are, and they've strengthened. They've strengthened their second team to get them out of that hole. And, you know, they've looked at it from a club perspective and said, we don't want our teams too far apart. We're going to make sure we don't get relegated this year because we don't want to be in Division 7 and our, our, our first being Division 3 and such a big gap between the two. And I think that's, you know, that, that for me, that's a common sense approach. You know, you, you want to keep your two teams as close together as you can. I agree. I think Colin were sort of found out mid-season. They both both teams had a bit of a blip, but um, like you say, they have pulled the second team right out of the mire. Ludlow season never got going. Um, I spoke to somebody from Ludlow, and they said they'd had availability issues. I think as a club, they're going to be a lot stronger next year. What they've done, which I completely agree with in the ones uh, this season, is they've played several of the lads who have come right through from juniors in their in their team and I think that's going to be good for the club going forward and uh, I would expect Ludlow to do quite well in Division 7 next year um, I'm not worried about them at all yeah they're a big that yeah they're a big side for Division 7 and uh, they're, they're going to be a massive side in Division 7 next year <laughs> a side like the, a side the size of Ludlow and um, yeah they didn't as you mentioned they didn't have the best of starts you know one victory in their in the first half of the season and they only had one game abandoned as well so, uh, but uh, you know a bit of a patchy end to the season but still with some victories on the board and pretty much evened out just again games that have been abandoned and as we've mentioned and alluded to throughout the thing probably hard to get any run of form going and getting together but um yeah the, the second question um that we've got in from one of our listeners is again from dave matthews and he asks Hi guys, so second question of three, if you don't mind, if this is okay. I would like to ask, do the panel think that Axon Reynolds should have actually been triple relegated from Division 4 to Division 7, as opposed to Division 4 to Division 6? Hope this is okay, and I'm not hogging the podcast for questions. All the best, Dave. Okay, thank you, Dave. Um, I think we've made our position clear on double and relegations and stuff but I guess it's a bit different with Reynolds given that they kind of asked for it but um, Slats what are your thoughts on this? Well, Firstly Dave listen great thanks for all the questions much appreciated it's always good to get to listeners questions on the podcast but uh, no is the answer um, they asked to be double relegated and I think look, I'm never a fan of double relegations double promotions but if a club asks for it that's fair enough it's worked its way out hasn't it you know they're struggling but they, it's worked its way out but they you look at their individuals nick russell people like that are, you know near the top of the run scorers so they've got some really good players there it's just you have to give them that opportunity yeah and i think the start that they had where they were in like the top three for the first five weeks and then were kind of like mid-table and it's only been the final five weeks of the season that they've really kind of gone gone downwards, even though the form has slipped throughout the year. Uh, what are your thoughts, Ian? Uh, they're a lovely club, and I love playing at Acton Reynolds. And 
I'm, I'm not glad that they've come down, but I will be looking forward to going back there next season. Um, I've always had some great memories of playing there uh, against a very good bunch of lads. They've obviously struggled this year. I was hoping that having a double relegation, they would sort of consolidate in Division 6. That hasn't happened for them, which is very sad, but uh, maybe it'll happen in, in Division 7. Okay, quickly then, guys, any final points? And also, who do you think have had the best of it this season in Division 6? And also, biggest surprise, and we'll start this one with Slats as you played in the division. I think Lillishill have finally realised their potential this, this season um, with the strong players and the strong team they've got there. Um, so, you know, I'm, but I'm still surprised that Kun haven't finished in the top two. I really am. Um, and then, yeah. So Lillish have had the best of it. They've you know they've had a terrible start to the season with abandoned games left, right, and centre. Um, and yeah, I think yeah, Harcourt have done all right as well, staying out of that bottom two. Yep, I I agree. I think the start Lillish all had. I don't think there's a team that have had more cancellations of games than they have, and for them to come second is very very good for them this season they always just miss out miss out on promotion they've got a superb um team there rich and tim and and baggy you know they're they're a great a real competitive bunch of lads that do very well um and ludlow very disappointed that they're 11th yeah um Slats, you're waving at me. What would you like to say? Just want to say one thing. Obviously, we played a little um, penultimate game of the season, and uh, I've got two things, really. One is I spoke to Ollie quite at length after the game, and he said, please, please, don't mention my dad again, because uh, he's now got that clipped from the podcast as his message tone every time that Ollie messages him. It comes out with Ian Alderson saying, he's a fantastic player, that bloke. You know, He's got lots of runs and everything. <laughs> so don't do that again, he said. And the second thing is, if, Ollie, if you're listening, you're still my bunny. Three times in three games, mate. Thanks a lot. Wow. <laughs> I actually don't think I mentioned Kevin tonight. I think it was you, Slater. <laughs> okay, so on that note, we'll move ourselves on to the run scorers and wicket takers and... Well, we'll move ourselves on to the batting and bowling accolades in Division 6 and leading the way, the most, the leading run scorer in Division 6 this season is Simon Millington of Lillishaw with 570 runs. Uh, most games was Mark Powell and uh, Dan Wilson both played 19 games. Uh, most innings in this division came from A.D. Lee, Andrew Sutton and Liam Sias. Uh, the most not outs in Division 6 this season came from Dave Jones of Knockin and Kinley and Mark Ramsey of Harcourt. Uh, the highest score in the division this season came from Billy West, a swashbuckling 167 for Billy uh, this season. Uh, the best average in the, the league goes to Ryan Davis. He had an average of 84. And then the most 50s in the division went to Tom Caulfield, who got five 50s this year. Most hundreds were shared around. All the following got one ton this year. Sadeep Ale from Harcourt. Paul Hollyoak, yes, Paul, uh, Liam Sias, Billy West, Momo from Ludlow, Lance Parks, Rob Davis, and Aid 
Ely, the best strike rate in the division. Again, this is always a bit of a dubious one because it depends on whether you've been live scored or not. And when you're getting this far down, it's uh, you, you're not really sure. It depends on who's been playing all Scott Heath, I, I imagine. Uh, but the best uh, strike rate off six innings is Ryan Davis, who also had the best average of 84. He got an average of, he had a strike rate of 198.36. Tremendous effort there by Ryan with the ball at your leading wicket takers for 2023 in Division 6 are Liam Cummings and Jay Salgado with 32 wickets each uh, from Harcourt and Roxeter and Uppington. Jay also the bowler with the most overs this season, 132 he bowled. The most maidens was also shared with Liam Cummings. He got 26 maidens along with Kevin Harrison, not Andy's dad of uh, Axon Reynolds. Uh, the best bowling performance in the league this season with a terrific um, 6 4 7 was Tom Caulfield of Montgomery. The best, the most five wicket hauls of two go to Josh Gosnell of All Scott Heath and Kel Corner. Uh, Sunday 11. The best econ rate goes to Harry Bowen of Welshpool, 2.57. The best strike rate is 12 of Richard Conroy of Kund. And the best average goes to Sam Minter with 6.63. So starting with Slats, who stood out for you as uh, the main players, not only from the stats, but from your playing against them this season in this division? Yeah, I think I um, didn't really play against Simon Millington, actually. Um, uh, I think and didn't play against Tom Caulfield either. Um, in fact, didn't play against Nick Russell. Um, Graham Trowe, Jason Brooks, um, played against them once and they both looked good and got runs against us. Um, Billy West played in the last game. I didn't play because he obviously after he got his one six seven he went into the first, but he uh, he played against us last game of the season, got a rapid forty nine, and then uh, rifled this thing through square leg and um, Shropshire Radio Shropshire. Bre- <laughs> I, hope, I hope it was a cricket ball slap. Uh, rifled this thing through square leg and. Uh, a breakfast show host on Radio Shropshire, Adam Green, playing his one game of the year for us, took a blinding catch and sent him on his way for 49. Um, uh, yeah, so, you know, there's been some really good cricketers in there. Bowling-wise, it's hard to look past um, uh, Liam Cummins for Harcourt. Uh, swing bowler, does a lot with it, and he, he's bowled really, really well. Um, and, yeah, it's uh, it's been quite interesting. Um, batting, I would just—he—he's he, not high up on the, the the run list, but Momo from Ludlow is a prospect. Definitely, he's a young seventeen-year-old lad. Hits the ball beautifully, they tell me, and he got a century, got his first century for the club this season. So he's definitely one to look out for next year. And if he stays in the threes in Division Seven, he'll get a lot of runs. Um, bowling uh, again, I'm just going to agree with everybody else because I didn't play in that division, but. Uh, Liam Cummings, um, 32 wickets. Anybody who gets over 30 wickets this season's done very, very well. Just finishing up the runs and wicket scorers, uh, I'd also like to bring up Andrew Sutton of Harcourt. He got 22 wickets, which put him in the top 10 wicket takers and got 372 runs with the bats. So finished in 14th place uh, with the bats. So a very good all-round season for him there. Um, 
just behind one Ian Slat Slater by a wicket, which um, actually, that must mean that I have to discount everything I've said. No, sorry, Andrew, um, I take it all back. But next season, if you want to be taken seriously as a bowler, you've got to be Ian Slater. Anyway, let's move ourselves on to our next division. Okay, so we move as Slats carries on talking about how good a player Andrew Sutton actually is, I think. Um, we'll move ourselves on to Division 7. And we kind of mentioned it in the last one, but why not? Let's mention it again. Your champions for 2023 are Alberbury Cricket Club. They finished on 301 points. Alberbury having led the way since week nine, having been in the top two since week eight and not been out the top three since week four. Um, a fantastic comeback season for James Harrop's men there after the trials and tribulations and everything that happened to them last season. Uh, in second place, um, it's, it's amazing what happens when you have a good skipper. Um, in, <laughs> in second place, 29 points behind them are Fortin's second 11. Then a jump down by 26 points are Condover, second 11 in third. Then 26 points behind them in fourth are Lillishall, third 11 and Corvedale. In sixth place, two points behind them are Coton Hall. In seventh on 213 are Quat third 11. Then a big jump down, nearly 50 points. Let's say 48 are Ponsbury, second 11 in eighth. And 20 points behind them in ninth are Ellesmere, second 11. And 35 points behind them in tenth are All Brighton, second 11. So very much a bottom three. Then it was pretty much six to seven. Um, all sides as good as each other taking points off each other big wins and um, it's only really towards the end of the season that Condover and Fortin really pulled away from the other two and as you can see seven points between seventh and uh, fourth it's it was really tight in there and some really good sides from what I've heard and um, yeah Alberbury second 11 clearly um, ahead of the way especially given at the start of the season we thought that Coton Hall were having a great one as Slats does a yawning um, impression behind me but uh, Ian Alderson this is your division I will let you go first well Alberbury um, deserved champions in my opinion uh, they came down two divisions and um, they, uh, they they've had a great season uh, Fortin strengthened, I don't know, a third of the way through the season. And really, once those lads had gelled together, um, they've had a great uh, second half of the season. A very good little uh, leg spin bowler. Um, uh, got a couple of uh, five-wicket uh, uh, five wicket hauls for him. Um, Uvaraj, I think his name is. I'm just, I have written it down here somewhere. But uh, he, he had a very good season. Uvaraj Gill took five against us and he got another five wicket haul. Um, you know, and so Fortin, I think, deserved there to be second place. It looked for a long time like um, Quat and, uh, uh, and Coton Hall were going to be up there, but their seasons had just petered out quite badly in the end and they sort of finished sixth and seventh, which... I would imagine both of those clubs are going to be very disappointed, A, with how the season started and uh, where they finished up. I, I don't know if there's any particular reasons for that. Um, you know, we always have good games against both of those sides. Um, Lillishall, been steady all season, so, uh, you know, they've done very well ourselves. We had a very good last, one, three of the last four to, to get us up in the mix. Uh, Ponsbury won a few games at the end to, to try and lift themselves up the division a little bit, but 
really uh, the two weakest teams in the division have been um, Ellesmere and Albrighton and um, they 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 couldn't uh, they couldn't get out of those bottom two places. Yeah, as you mentioned, Ponsbury getting themselves away from the bottom at the end with three, well, or two victories and a winning draw against Albrighton in their final three. Um, Coton Hall and Ponsbury putting out a very strong side for their twos, considering the side that they've been putting out for their ones all season and. Um, players getting runs and wickets and um, beating strong sides in Coton Hall and Condover, which, you know, if you're Condover or Coton Hall and you're coming against a strong Ponsbury side, given the side that they've been putting out all season, you probably consider yourself a little bit unlucky there. Uh, all Brighton, as you mentioned, they, uh, I think it's... I think it's been widely publicised. They had a bit of issues with availability, and then with Ellesmere as well. You know, they're they're bringing through a lot of youth players, from what I've heard, and um, still a decent end to the season. A good win against Coton Hall. They picked up a win against yourselves, Corvdale, and got draws with Fortin and Alberbury, even though they were losing ones. It's a good, you know, it's it's good to finish this season strong because it sets you up for the for the following season. And I think, as you mentioned, for the other sides, you look at Fortin and Alberbury, those. They pretty much won out and a lot of Alberbury had all of the top sides in those last five five weeks, which has probably helped them. And also Fortin, if you look at their fixtures, they've also had all the top five teams pretty much apart from the the actually I say that they played three of the top sides and they played the two bottom sides and in, in their final five but again that's also helps the the gap between the bottom two and Ponsbury and also the gap between the top two and the rest because they've they've played against each other in they have and Ellesmere were a, a strange club because they all they always seem to be in the game and like you said they we beat them at their place and they beat us at our place but um, Lawrence Ashley in the last game uh, when they beat Coden Hall got 106 runs and 5 for 19 had an absolutely stonking game um, I see he played 9 games for the seconds and 9 games for the firsts I sh- I'd get him in the seconds a bit more next year <laughs> he'll be straight back off so we've um, in this do- if we're for this we do have a c- couple of well we have like three listener questions that I kind of want to get through one which I've kind of missed earlier from Division 6 so I am very sorry but I'll uh, I'll move on to that one we we did ask you for your your stories that yeah uh, and also your questions and the first question comes from Matthew Hartshorn who has played a few games in Division 7 this season um he asked about uh leg side wides in our last episode which we talked about and this time he asked he said do we think that the start time should be earlier in division six seven and eight in the lower leagues as it takes teams longer to bowl 40 overs than it takes higher teams to bowl 45 um and we'll start that one with ian we did a couple of seasons ago we did start at 12 o'clock and there was a big backlash because it's such a big county and there's a lot of traveling time that people were saying they couldn't you know if people were working saturday mornings they just couldn't get it and i don't think i don't know if there was a vote on it at the league at the time but it i quite liked it but nobody else seemed to yeah i think i think if i remember rightly we we had a bit of trouble with it because we had lots of people who were still working up until the last minute and as you mentioned it's a bit harder and especially down the lower leagues you've got a bit more people who are a bit more casual to their cricket than i mean you're still going to have cricket badges but you'd like to think people who are at the 
top end are probably like more likely to travel. You look at, you know, players who play in the Birmingham League. If you're playing for Shrewsbury or, or formerly Oswestry when they're in the Birmingham League, they've got they've got some serious miles in the tank uh, for all the travelling they do. Slats. Yeah, I think um, you know we looked at it as as a rules committee. We looked at it. We're trying to look at a bit of common sense and saying, well, actually, if you're playing fifty overs, do you know what? Yeah, you're going to start at twelve o'clock. Forty five overs. Um, you know, get started at twelve thirty, um, and then forty overs. You start at one o'clock. Do you know it's it's the onus is on the captains to get a move on. That's that's it for me. You get you get a move on. There's a lot of let's move the field every ball. You know, just get on with it. Get the game going. You know, it's it's, it's overrates is down to the captains to make things move. Yeah, I guess as well. It's it's about getting getting round from A to B as well. And something I've noticed is like people walking between positions and also speed of fielding and things like that, which makes makes a massive difference as well. Our second one um, comes again from Dave Matthews. Um, and Dave, I'll, I'll just, I'll read this one out for you, mate, rather than have you a recorded thing. But he asked, um, he said, do, you th- do the panel think that the double relegation of Alberbury second eleven is a blessing as the club have now won loads of games and gained so much confidence for next year. A winning team is a happy team. Um, I guess I'll take this one on really. Um, I think from, from an Alberbury point of view, I would like to think that the team that we've put out this year in division seven, I reckon we'd have, you know, we'd have challenged in division six i think the team that we've put out this season consistently would have challenged in division would have been mid-table and uh probably pushing fifth fourth fourth fifth in division five maybe not fourth but would have been in that fifth sixth region you know you've got you've got players like joss elliott averaging 107 who play who's played ones you've got James Harrop, who's played ones. You've got Jim and Andy Winner who've played ones. You've got Borney, who's been one of the leading run scorers in the ones for many years. And then you've got young talent like Freddie Dale, Justin Joseph, turning out every week. You know, you've got some fabulous players in that. That you know, and Alex Hughes, who's been, and Nick Williams, who have been terrific second team players for many years and have scored runs and taken wickets in Division Five. And you know, Alex Hughes is one of the leading wicket takers in in Division 7 this year. So, you know, whilst I kind of understand it and I'd say, yeah, I think uh, speaking to a lot of the second team, I think that, you know, they found it, you know, they've enjoyed it because they've just been able to relax um, and not really worry about their cricket, which when they've won pretty much every game, I think that kind of says a lot about it. And I, I don't want to say it in like, I don't want, I don't want to sound disparaging to all the other Division 7 teams, but I think, you know, I think, I think that we would have comfortably had a go in Division 6 this season with the team that we've got. And also, I think we've mentioned on here quite a lot of times that we're not massive in agreement of double relegations because I think everyone has one bad season where you struggle for availability or you can't get the players or people, lots of people aren't informed. But And then you have that second season to bounce back and give it a go. And I think there was a lot of, you know, after last season, there was in the AGM, which was before everything that happened, there was a lot of talk of like, we need to turn this round anyway. 
And then I remember getting a phone call on my way home from like some, so I can't remember where I was at, but I was somewhere and I was driving back and someone was going, oh, I think they may be double relegating you before anything happened. I was like, like what? I can't believe it. And then I rang, <laughs> I rang everyone. I went, heads up. I think we might be getting double relegated. And everyone's going, this is ridiculous <laughs> and all this stuff. But um, it's definitely lit a, lit, a, lit a match under the second team and has made them really want to go for it. But in regards to availability, I think the captain who has captained the twos this season has been very popular um, and is someone who, you know, a lot of the players really like and get on with and it will get availability. And, you know, he's someone who has been able to give his full season to the twos and also because of the availability in the ones as well, you know, the ones have been able to put out a calibre of player as well, which means that they haven't been stealing from the twos all season as well. And because the ones have been playing in the division that they've been in, they haven't really worried about relegation, which we were last season, which means that, yeah, we have been able to blood a few more ones players in there. So the twos have been able to play a strong side. Ian, take me off the mic, please. I just think that um, James Harrop's had a great season. I think he may be the re leading run scorer. I'll just press my button here uh, in Division 7. But um, yes, he, he was. And I think it was you said at the start of the season that he'd had a terrible car crash and he didn't. you didn't think he was going to be playing a lot for quite a few months. He showed me the pictures of the car, actually, and the fact that he was playing was amazing. The season he's had has been superb. He's led uh, Overbury. We were in Division 6 last year, and with all due respect to the teams we played last year, I think the Overbury team that was out this year would probably have done very well in Division 6. Yes, Lats, what are your thoughts quickly? So I thought I was in a room with Ian Alderson going on about uh, you know conceding games and, and you know and after, after last year. Jeez. Um, look, I think uh, not a fan of double relegations, not a fan of double promotions. Enough said. Okay, great stuff. So starting with Ian quickly, who have had the best year, who have surprised you the most and your tip for next year in Division 7, if it is Division 7, because we don't know what may ever happen in this division. Uh, I'll start with yourself. Okay, well, um, Alberberry didn't surprise me because I knew coming down two divisions they were going to be strong. The team that has surprised me have been Fortin. Um, we played them at our place early on and we beat them. Uh, when we played them at their place, they'd strengthened a lot. They got these lads from St. George's, which have helped their first team. And I think Stuart and his boys will be very pleased that they've come second and they're on the way up. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, Fortin have had a fantastic season. Interestingly, though, when you look at uh, St. George's thirds, since the second half, they've been on a downward slope. So that's quite interesting. And Fortin have gone the other way. But, yeah, they've gelled together as a side and done really, really well. So, you know, well done to Fortin. I think they've had a fantastic season. Condover, I actually thought they might get in that top two with the strength of the batting they've got, particularly with the Brooks boys and all of that, um, you know, and having uh, turned out for them, in a 10-wicket victory that I played absolutely no other part in other than umpiring for a bit. Um, yeah, I'm just... I think Coton Hall will kick themselves. I think they really will. They had a flying start and then they just disappeared. And it's a real surprise for me. I haven't played against them last year in Division 6 and they were a good outfit, but again tailed off to the back end of the season and then got relegated. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very surprised. 
Okay, let's move on to the accolades in Division 7. And as Ian has already mentioned, your leading run scorer for 2023 in Division 7 is James Harrop. He scored 536 runs in 14 innings. Uh, the most innings in the division went to Dan Thomas and Rich Upton. The most games, the most consistent players in the league. Well, the most consistent player in the league this year was one David Golightly. Uh, the most not-outs in the division go to James Wynn of Alberbury and Thomas Vickers of Fortham, both with five not-outs. The highest score in the division this season goes to Andrew Brooks with that wonderful 145. The leading average in the division goes to Joss Elliott with 107.75 from seven innings. Uh, a wonderful knock, well, a wonderful season for Joss Elliott. He was also two runs off the highest score in the league this season. The most 50s in the division go to Matthew Brooks with five. The most tons in the division go to Matt Jones and Sam Brooks both got two. And the best strike rate in the division this season goes to Hafiz Raymond with 280 from four innings. With the ball in Division 7, your leading wicket taker for 2023 is David Golightly of Corvedale. He took 26... 26 wickets this season. He also bowled the most overs of 121.1. The most maidens in the division went to Aaron Jones with 19. The best bowling performance in the division this season goes to Matt Hartshorn with 7 for 15. The most five wicket hauls goes to Yuvraj Gill with 2. The best econ in the division and best average go to Matt Hartshorn and the best strike rate in the division goes to Tom Butler of Alberbury. So some big names there of players who have definitely played in Division 1 before and Division 2 at the top of Division 7 for some of the sides. Uh, but guys, and we'll start with Ian again as this has been his division. Who stands out for you in Division 7? Um, well, a, a player I always love playing against from Coconall is Aaron Jones. Um, he's uh, 16th in the runs. And he is um, sec no third third in the wickets. So uh, you know he's a lovely player to play against. If he had a bat that had got a toe on it, instead of playing with that chip thing he plays with, he might get a few more runs and get himself higher <laughs> up the. Uh, did he buy a ticket for the bat raffle? Uh, no, I don't think he did. That the bat raffle the bat raffle was won by Robin Matthews though. So, uh, yeah, Aaron Jones is always always a good player to play against. He bowls a bit of spin or he can bowl a bit of pace and uh, he's always a good character. Okay, Slats, your your picks from the Division 7. Uh, Dan Thomas, again, very good cricketer for Coton Hall. Um, but, hey, you know, they've got, in the wicket takers, they've actually got three of the top five in the wicket takers. Uh, so how they haven't finished higher up, I have no idea. Uh, good to see Ch young Charlie Weldon coming through as well and getting a few wickets this year uh, for quad thirds. Uh, that's really, really good. Um, David Golightly always gets wickets, um, but just talks too much. Can't be doing with him. <laughs> yes, okay. And my one pick, and uh, it's just because I know him, is Alex Hughes. Um, has not played cricket for the last few years because he's been concentrating on his golf. So had about two, three years off playing cricket and is uh, seventh in the leading wicket takers isn't it? and is in the top 30 run scorers. So a fantastic season for Alex there. One of the person I'd mention as well is Stuart Henry. 
Um, up there in the leading run scorers, but also took a few wickets as well and gets in both. And just before we move on, I just want to mention one story that was sent in to us. Uh, we asked you for your stories of any good ones throughout the season, and we had one from Kit Catters25 on Instagram who said, my favourite story of the season was Livshaw Seconds wicketkeeper running to the boundary to move the wrong side screen. What a fantastic... <laughs> <laughs> what, at, at their ground, because they only got the one? <laughs> They've only got one side screen. Unbelievable. That's fantastic mm -hmm. stuff. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, let's move ourselves on to our next division. And Division 8. <laughs> so you're... As, as we wonder whether the Alba's now closed and we are locked in, um, we move on to Division 8, so everyone's favourite division. And yeah, it finished a week later than everyone else, but it was well worth the wait in first place. Your winners of 2023 are Gillsfield second 11 on 259 points. Then in second place, Kyglass second 11 with 224 points, so 35 points behind them. In third place, three points behind our Quayside first 11. Then 19 points behind them in fourth are Chirk's second 11. Then 36 points behind them in fifth are Sentinel third 11. Then 15 points behind them in sixth are Beacon. So a fantastic comeback from Chirk's second 11 and a, a great end of season run by Kai Glass second 11 to finish in second. And um, yeah, Kai Glass and Chirk with the victory over Kai Glass um, at the end. They've been on a great run of form, Chirk had, since uh, halfway through the season, since week 10. They'd uh, only lost two games and won the rest. Um, there were a lot of games abandoned, may I say, in the in the meantime. But a, a great run of form for a side who were pretty much rock bottom uh, for the start of the season. And uh, yeah, what a division Division 8 has been this year. Everybody's favourite. It's been a fantastic division. We all thought it's not going to work. I know mean, we keep saying this, but wow, it's been brilliant. And um, yeah, I uh, I think it's been fun. I think they've 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 got to know each other very well, playing each other four times through the season, and uh, you know a lot of back to back games. So uh, yeah, it's made for some exciting cricket. But um, Gillsfield on the way up. And, you know, a growing club and good to see that. And so that'll be interesting with them in Division 7 next year, potentially. We don't know what the divisions are going to be yet, so who knows. But, uh, yeah, that could be fun. Um, is it going to be two up from this division? I don't know. Probably. Possibly. Lord knows. You could have everyone up and it'd be all one <laughs> all one division with Division well, 7 next year. Yeah, and do you know what? I've, yeah, but you, yeah, who knows? I, I, I wouldn't like to say, but uh, it depends on those teams above. Ian? Um, with the exception of Gillsfield, who have been top for most of the season, um, really, the other f uh, five teams in the division, they've been swapping places, um, you know, bed hopping all the way all the way through the season, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, bed hopping. <laughs> I don't know what they get up to in the, in the countryside around Corvdale, um, obviously. <laughs> But as I was going to go on, making a very serious point, um, so, you know, the, the way the league's finished, with the exception of the last two weeks, when, when the format, uh, the, the position stayed the same, uh, there has been um, absolutely nothing between the rest of the five teams, I don't think. Yeah, uh, as we mentioned, uh, there's the two sides at the top had got off to a really good start and set 
got themselves in a lead and then everyone's been taking points off each other all season and then it's only really been concessions and a couple of runner defeats that have kind of separated the bottom few from the rest lads. Yeah, um, there's only been a couple of well, how many concessions have there been? I'm trying to think now, looking at this. Um, three? Four? Beacon, Beacon have con- conceded three games all season but conceded two in the last four weeks of the season um, and yeah, that, that really dropped them down down the leagues and yeah, but Sentinel's form towards the end didn't really help them and uh, Chirk's form really moved them off the bottom and then again like we mentioned Keyside came the wrong side of some indifferent form and Kai Glass um, yeah them and Kai Glass getting you know Kai Glass coming the other side of some good concessions helping them move up the table as well and then Gillsfield pretty much just keep kept ticking along and one more than they lost, uh, which sounds obvious given that they finished first, but pretty much everyone was winning one, losing one, winning one, losing one, and they've <laughs> they've done that a little less than everyone else. I I think that... Um, Searing insight again for myself, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, scratch all that then. <laughs> which yeah, was the worry. time that came from a Sunday? Which was the Sunday side? Roxeter. Yeah, don't worry. Um, yeah, How so, was it? Yeah, so it's been so it's been a really good really good end to the season and we've spoken about Division 8 quite a lot and it's yeah it's really good really good season from Gillsfield with their first season winning the title what a what a what a great start for them and yeah good to see Chirk get moving forwards and it's good to see Sentinel 3s you know again another side who are new to Saturdays doing well because even though they're new to Saturdays they've still got the Sunday side so it's technically like a new team really isn't it um but uh, guys, quickly going round, um, who have had the best season and what have you been surprised or any other little takeaways you want to give? Starting with Ian. Um, well, obviously, Gillsfield have done have done very well. I just think the bonus of this division is for the league, really. Everybody thought at the start of the season it wasn't going to work. And if they have to do it again next year, I think we'll all be looking forward to it. Gillsfield as for a side that's brand new to the to the um, league structure this year and literally three weeks before the season started uh, <laughs> Dave, Dave Jones or yeah sorry Dave Lewis Dave Jones yeah sorry Dave Lewis scratch that first bit Dave Lewis put a, uh, was putting the messages out on social media saying we're starting the second team please get in touch if you want to play and they won the league so just shows you doesn't it. <laughs> Yeah, really good. And uh, let's move ourselves on to the batting and bowling accolades in this division. So your leading run scorer in this division for 2023 was, was Rob Williams with 545, uh, a staggering 214 runs ahead of second-placed Stuart Gwilt. Uh, Stuart, having only played five games, though, for Sentinel. The most games this season, so your Mr. Consistent this season, was Gary Griffiths. He was also the had the most innings of 15 and finished third in the run scorers. The highest score in this division this season came from Callum Rogers with 136, a wonderful knock. Uh, the best average in the division was Stuart Gwilt with 110.33. Again, 331 runs off five innings with two not outs some fantastic performances there from Stewart uh, he also led the most 50s with four of them and the most tons in the division the following four all got one ton this season Rob Williams of Chirk Callum Rogers of Keyside and Jonathan Phillips and Dale Randall both of 
Chirk, um, Dale Randall, uh, five games this season, then has got himself injured. Jonathan Phillips with one ter- one game uh, turning out for Chirk. It looks like a no strike rates in this division, unsurprisingly. With the ball, your leading wicket taker with 30 wickets is Thomas Wallace, Thomas Wallace of Beacon. Uh, the most overs bowled this season was Matthew Harris of Keyside with 117. The most maidens, Jamie White of Keyside with 22. The best bowling figures this season goes to Gary Griffiths with six for 10. Uh, the most five wicket hauls goes to Thomas Wallace of Beacon with two. He also got the best bowling figures of 6 for 20. He also got a, the best strike rate and average a s- average of 6.3 and strike rate of 11.7. And the best econ went to Ella Austin with 2.2 of Sentinel. So, guys, very quickly, as I realise we're running out of time, not only here, but we're running into a, the two-hour territory of recording time. Uh, who have been your standouts in Division 8? And we'll start with Ian. Uh, well, obviously, Rob Williams um, from from Chirk with his 545 runs, uh, top in the division. But Stuart Gwilt, five innings, 331 runs, absolutely fantastic effort. So uh, we're good on him. Yeah, obviously, uh, anybody getting 30 wickets in a season has got to be great. Uh, obviously, Tom Wallace from uh, Beacon and also Ivor Purcell from uh, Gillsfield, I believe he plays for. Is that right? Um, if he doesn't, he plays for Kai Glass. But anyway, he got 30 wickets as well, and he also got two Fifers. <laughs> Wonderful. I have no idea, because I've literally pulled this straight off play cricket, so Lord knows what's gone on whilst that's happened then. So my apologies to Ivor if I've missed that one out for you. But um, yeah, um, final, final bits uh, that we have. We had a listener question that was sent in by Matt Watkins. So Matthew Watkins asks, he says, a message for the show tonight, guys. He says, how do you guys feel about altering the playing order this season? Win, loss, first 11 games, win, draw, lose, second half of the season has affected the dynamic of the league this season and ultimately the league positions. Given the weather has been so bad at times, is it difficult to properly assess this change? Also, second question, how far down the pyramid do we think is it, it is acceptable to be paying players either officially or shock horror unofficially? He says, also, do you think the loan system needs tweaking or improving somehow? Seems like it's difficult to get loan players. Could there be more flex within the rules? And should there be a central league loans coordinator rule that helps teams find players if they needed or allocate players around where they need, uh, where they have a list of available loans sent to them? It seems a bit difficult to get loans from from other clubs unless you personally know someone else at another club. Hope this all makes sense. Kind regards. Matt, and we'll start this one with Slats. Okay, so let's uh, start with the win-lose and win-lose draw. Yeah, do you know what? Uh, we turned it around from the previous season because actually um, we didn't want this, the, the divisions decided on umpires' points or officials' points. Um, and actually, when you come to the end of the season, actually it makes captains think a bit about do we win the toss and bat first? What do we do to get those extra points to try and win the division? So that made more sense. Look, the weather's, weather's had an impact this year, which has been unfortunate, but hopefully we'll see a better result next year with the weather. Um, in terms of paying players down the pyramid, look, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm personally not a fan of it, but do you know what? That's up to clubs, isn't it? And um, yeah, it's, it, that's not for me to say. I'm not a fan of it. I, th- I don't think it's warranted in the, the village end of the cricket uh, uh, p- 
pyramid, if that makes sense. But, you know, clubs will do what the clubs will do. Uh, finally, in the loan system, yeah, we're always looking to improve it. Um, however, we have to tighten some of these things up because otherwise um, the, the rules get stretched a little bit and players who shouldn't be playing in the lower leagues suddenly start playing in the lower leagues and loan from other clubs. So we have to tighten it up a little bit. Um, but yeah, we, we're always looking for improvements and any suggestions uh, will always be taken on board. Wonderful. I, I think with paying players, I think as long as you're a first team and I'd probably say top four divisions at a push maybe uh depends on again you can't really you, you can't re you can't you can't regulate it and teams are going to do and spend their money the way they want to do it but yeah i just you know I, you you do wonder anything lower than division four really but um yeah um in regards to the win lose win lose draw I, i've enjoyed it i i guess yeah you have got that element that if you do if the weather is bad and you're at the first half of the season and you're especially good at win-lose, it's going to give you a bit more of a disadvantage. But uh, you'd hope that it would even out. But yeah, this season's just been like no other I've ever experienced. But generally, I like the idea that, you know, it takes that extra jeopardy into the final games where you've got to, there is a different, there's a points differential that you can that you can go for and teams have to be aggressive. Um, Ian, your thoughts, please. Yep, I love um, I love win lose draw anyway, but I think to have it at the end of the season is the correct end to have it because it throws so many. Um, all the points are up for grabs if you if you see what I mean, and you can have a very good draw and get a lot of points from that. Um, as to paying players, um, friend of the podcast, um, our Australian friend from Condover. He paid a rookie from the higher division for <laughs> one game this season. And uh, he's really regretting that now. His yeah, was bowling a, was absolutely shocking. It was a pint of pale river cider, <laughs> I think. That was the payment. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd never pay anybody to play. <laughs> Neither would I, kid. Neither would I. Uh, Wonderful. And I think that kind of brings us towards the end. Before we do move on, I would like to bring up... Um, we did have a, a message in from a Jules Payne um, and Naomi Payne from Oswestry Cricket Club who said that they would like us to mention how successful the women's and girls' uh, cricket has been this season through hardball and softball and especially um, how many people have been taking part. And uh, yeah, it's from everything I'm seeing on social media, there's been a great uptake um, of women and girls' cricket, which is fantastic to see. And the more diversity that we can get in the sport and the more people who can get into it and it's really great to see women and girls getting into the game more women and girls getting into the game and you know and the success that we're having in Shropshire with all these events and uh Oswald Street Cricket Club by the look of what they've sent me and how their season has gone you know they've won 13 of their 15 uh fixtures and they've been hugely successful I've seen you know Frankton Foxes as well they've done really well Beacon and you know I can see also lots of teams popping up left right and center all over the place and it's it's really great to see and it's actually becoming really popular you know which is, is great you know it's what it's what you want to see and like it's yeah I, I, I just love seeing the game of cricket grow generally and having the more that you can get more diversity and get more people involved in it and make it. I just think it's, it's, it's breathing new life into clubs. I mean, it certainly has done for us at Willie. You know, we've got a very successful uh, softball side, ladies softball side. In fact, we've got two teams. And, you know, they got to finals day this year uh, at Ellesmere and had a fantastic time. And, 
yeah, it's bringing more people to the club, bringing more revenue in. It opens up more doors in terms of getting grants and being able to develop your facilities. And I just think it's a fantastic addition to any club. Get involved, seriously. Yeah, and uh, just to round off as well on that one, Naomi was also received national recognition from the ECB during the winter after being named one of the three national coaches of the year. Um, so well done, Naomi, and uh, well done everyone who's putting in lots of hard work and time and effort into these things. And uh, yeah, great to see. And obviously we saw uh, the first um, Division Two first team, well, for Division Two game where there were two female captains with Lara and uh, Robin and you know it's it's good because it's you know these things are visible and people see it and you know it's it's something to push forward for and the game is moving forward which is fantastic and it was one of the best games I've played in and played in the right spirit and it was fantastic and on that note we'll move ourselves on to our final section okay and we take ourselves on to our final section and thank you so much for everyone who's listened throughout the year and supported the podcast and listened to the podcast and uh, sent in your questions and for those of you who've shared it with your friends and also left nice reviews or even spoken to us during the season and thank you everyone for supporting and uh, as we've mentioned before we next year we have loads of Cal Corner Sunday 11 games which you're more than welcome to get involved with or if you want to host you can indeed there's lots of opportunities to come on the podcast in the off-season or during next season. If you're interested or have a story or want to get involved, you can. Really, thank you very much, guys. And I hope you've had, even though it's been a hard season, I hope that we've kind of brought some light entertainment to it or maybe even sent you to sleep sometimes when you've had a bit of insomnia, either which way. Um, but yeah, it's been a pleasure and I can't help but say, uh, you know, we do this for the love of it and we... Um, we do this just because we love Shropshire cricket and we like having just getting around and having a bit of a chat and I would like to sit here and say thank you very much to Ian Alderson thank you very much to Slats for giving up your evenings throughout the year and also Ollie Griffiths and all of our other guests who we've had on this year um, who've made this extra show possible and uh, yeah thank you very much guys and uh, I will let the other two finish off and we'll start off with Ian Alderson please for, firstly, thank you very much indeed, James. You put a tremendous amount of work into the podcast. Um, you know, we just turn up and talk, whereas you do all the planning um, and make it what it is. I would also like to thank everybody I've played against this season. It's been an absolutely tremendous pleasure again. Um, and, you know, I'm looking forward to next year already. I ate the winter. Yeah, James, thanks ever so much for this season. It's been fantastic. And again, I echo what Ian said, you put a hell of a lot of work in and getting this product out there for people to listen to. And, you know, the production quality has improved massively just by you putting your hand in your pocket and getting the kit we've got, which is fabulous. Um, guys, Ian, I've really enjoyed it, mate, this year. It's been fantastic. And we'll go through the close season as well. To everybody who's, who's given us feedback, Rich Cooper, thanks for that. It's been my explanation on the draw points last week or two weeks ago. Um, and, yeah, feedback's a gift. So, you know, good or bad, we always accept it. So, yeah, keep it coming in. And thanks for listening. Yeah, we're always looking to improve. And next year we are looking, we we always, we're always looking at what, what, what the product is and trying to modify it. And we will try and do more pods in person because I think they're better and they work out better sound quality. And just the general chat between us is, uh, is a lot better. And as you can hopefully hear, we've got lots of kit as 
Ian's mentioned, uh, which we've improved on. We're doing more video stuff as well, which we're looking to do. And we've got lots of plans for next year. But uh, yeah, we've got some stuff planned for the off season as well. So do not worry. If you do have a story you want to tell or you have uh, an idea or you have someone that you would like to hear about, let us know. Get in touch and uh, we'll get something sorted. Or even if you want something for next season, get in touch. Get us in the diary early because um, we do get quite a lot of requests and... Uh, we do, you know, as we don't get, as we don't make any money out of this yet, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a bit hard to move it around for various bits and bobs. But yeah, we are looking to try and get things moving and make a better product. But yeah, once again, thank you very much, everyone, for listening and for your support. We love you all very dearly, and hopefully you've enjoyed the podcast and uh, have a great winter. Don't winter too well. Uh, come back fighting fit for next season, and uh, yeah. We'll see you on the next episode. Uh, this has been the end of this season's podcasts as we go into the off-season. Uh, once again, thank you very much and see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 